Welcome to Permission to Win, a podcast asking life's most fundamental questions, like what is permission? Who needs my permission? And why are we talking about permission anyway? In each episode, your co-hosts explore different ways to say it's okay, discussing all the different permissions we need in our lives to do or not do the things that we do. Now, in case you think you need it, here's your permission to join David and Kim. Hey, David. Hello, Kim. (laughs) What do we know about self-importance? Do we need permission to be self-important? What are we going to talk about, Kim? Oh, I think it's that whole quit putting a spotlight on you, (laughs) putting it on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I am, you know, the most important person that I know, and I feel like maybe everybody else needs to think the same way. What do you think? (laughs) I think you're a hoot. I think that one of the things that we do is like we forget that we're not the center of the world, as you say. You have used that phrase, and I love that phrase because we're not the center of the world. We, we're just not. <laughs> no, and, and I am totally convinced that there's times, there's times that we need to, well, uh, let's just say it. There's times we need to give ourselves permission to be our own center of the world, but there's the reality that we aren't everyone else's center of the world. Where the idea for, for this, I think, came from my frustration with social media in so many different ways. And I don't want to just blow everybody out of the water immediately, but the idea of the narcissism and the narcissistic tendencies that come from social media and social media posts and look at me and my opinion and all these things, we just feel like if you disagree with me, then you're not worth my time or you're wrong or whatever. So I might have a different opinion, just so you know. <laughs> I'm so, I know you're shocked. <laughs> well, as I, am, as I always like to say, it's okay for you to be wrong. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I think, you know, I did a reel yesterday that was about real, R-E-A-L, And then to real, R-E-E-L. We try to be perfect on social media so that no one knows what a hot mess we are. And I think if we just go ahead and put our hot messness out there, and it's okay. It's okay that we're all messy. It's okay that we're all human. It's okay that we are those things that makes the socials. You almost stand out on socials for doing that because everyone appears to be trying to be the perfect person. Yes. And and that's what I'm discussing. That's my thought process is whether it's political, whether it's religious, whether it's whatever to come out and just confidence is one thing, but not being willing to accept alternative viewpoints or not being able to put up with dissension. That's an, that's a completely different thing. That's to me is, is, is childish. That's a six year old, maybe a five year old behavior where it's just a matter of 
stomping your foot and saying, no, no, no. So I would love to give you one of my favorite quotes. I'm not even sure who said it, so I can't give credit. I wish I could. But one of my favorite quotes is that confidence is when you can walk into a room and you don't feel the need to compare yourself to anyone. It's not an arrogance. I think there's a huge difference when you're talking about confidence. I always want to define it really quickly. If you're all always focused on you and you don't listen to what another person is saying or you don't have conversations, you go to some you know live event, let's say, and you only want to speak and you don't want to hear, I think that that's a big part of arrogance. But confidence is going into a room and not having to prove anything. So you have the ability to listen. You have the ability to hear what other people are maybe going through or what's going on with them. So I heard this the other day, and it's apparently uh, attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt. Great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about events. And small minds talk about people. I heard that and I thought that was rather poignant and it's, it's, it seems to be true that if that's all you can focus on and you can't focus and people includes you yourself being and being really stuck in how everything affects you and how everything just, just the being generally appalled with your surroundings and the events that are going on around you, because that's how they affect you and not being directly concerned about what happens to others. I think that's, that's a sign of shallow thinking. Well, and I want to add something to that, David, because I think that the only way that we can look around us and be appalled by a situation is to, to see how it impacts us. If we don't understand how it impacts us, I don't think we can see how it impacts somebody else. I think we, we, we filter everything through that because we're humans. I think that that's something that when you're looking around and there's something going on, some you know world event, I think the only way we can be empathetic is to feel that. Like to, to know that we could be suffering in the way that they're suffering, or we can put ourselves in that position of, and you don't ever really know till you're in that situation. Like I've come through some pretty hard times in my life. Didn't know what that was like until I went through them. But, you know, before going through some of those things, I could put myself in at least think about how that would feel if I was, you know, trying to protect my babies and running from people bombing me, or if I was in some place and somebody came in with a gun, because that's what's, you know, that's what's in our news right now. And, and I look at that and I think the only way that we can be empathetic to them is to understand what we might feel like in that situation, what, what it fear we might have in that situation. I, I 100% agree with you because that, that is putting yourself in other shoes, not necessarily first, but you know, you're, you're quickly there when you're not being directly affected by the situation. You know, you're aware of a situation, you're not involved in the situation. And yes, that empathy and that understanding, I think that totally, that totally takes us down the road. 
one of our, one of our favorite shows that we watch here at the White House is Father Brown, which is a British pseudo crime drama with a priest. It's set in the fifties, <laughs> and I'll I'll just explain one of the characters. She's always focused on what's going on and the things that she's doing and the things that she's involved in. A fight was breaking out. A knife was drawn. The police were showing up and they were, and they pulled in and they ran over her flowers that she was planting for the, the village contest and, and police officers getting punched in the nose, but she's fussing at him about running over the flowers. So it's just being so focused on yourself that your outer surroundings, <laughs> that you're oblivious to what's going on around you because you're, and, and this is something I honestly struggle with. I just came back from my company's uh, major convention. My wife's father is going through some health issues and there's, there were concerns that I might have to drop everything and leave early. And I have to escape myself or escape the company enough to, to put somebody else first in that situation if that had occurred. Let's talk about that. Is that a, is that a male-female thing? Do I have more of a drive to complete the mission, do the thing? Or is that a, I don't know. Tell me where I'm wrong there. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I, I think that we are wired as females, we're wired differently than, than males are. And I'm sure I'll get pushback for that. But I do think that there's a difference in how we are wired and how we think about things a lot of times. Doesn't mean there's not crossover. Doesn't mean, you know, I think boys and girls have two different languages. Mm -hmm. I think there's boy speak and I think there's girl speak. I think that when you realize that, you can tap into learning and becoming fluent in the other one. And mm -hmm. all of your relationships will be better. Right. So I'll, I'll put that out there. But I think all of us want to put on the cape. I think yeah. all of us want to, you know, be the one that can rescue someone or, you know, it puts us on point, staying on point so that we can be the one that flies in and, and does something. I think I really think that's a human thing, not a, you know, man or woman thing. No, you're right. I, I, I like the way you say that, putting on the cape, because there are times when you feel like you need to put on the cape to to do a thing. Again, back to social media, I'll say, you know, I think people feel like they've got to put, put on the cape for worldwide issues. And that's a that's a harder thing to do, because I think we want to act globally. We want our face... <laughs> Sorry, I'll go back to this. We want our Facebook post to influence the rest of the world and that, well, this is the way I feel about what's happening in Ukraine, so so should everybody else. And that's, it's not going to happen. And then when you get wound up and get tore up about, well, you don't believe the way I believe. Now you've become a level of, you can't get out of your own way. So I think this brings up an interesting point because when all of the things were coming out in the news about all the horrible things, and let me say that out, you know, out loud, mm -hmm. the horrible things that go on in the world, I always think about the person that is grouped or lumped in with 
with those people because not everyone, and, and I'm going to use Russia for example, Russia is the enemy in the news and they're the ones, but what about the really amazing Russian people? What about the people that are not doing those things? We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to be sympathetic to someone else. We want to just lump everybody together. And how many times are we lumped? Like how many times are we put over in a category because someone has that kind of a bias or that kind of a prejudice and anyone who says they're not prejudiced, I used to say this, I used to say I'm not prejudiced. And then I started realizing the only way I can say that is if I'm honest and I recognize when I really am prejudiced and do something different because I have found myself being brought up in a certain way, being prejudiced and not knowing it, not even realizing and not necessarily because I set out to be, but because someone else's opinion has been like formed in me and until we get to the place, and this is pretty heavy, David, I just want to say that, you know, until we get to that place where we're willing to acknowledge it and willing to take it out. And, you know, as our friend Carrie Zarb would say, unpack it until we're willing to unpack that and be honest with our own self. I don't think that's going to change, but I think we have to have permission to do that. Like we need to give ourselves permission to be human and recognize I do have some sort of prejudice or I do have some sort of wrong thinking because I'm mad at somebody I've never met or I'm mad at somebody that I don't know anything about them. And, and you have to recognize that. I feel like that's a, a thing of acknowledging it first to yourself and then giving yourself permission to really figure out why. Why do I feel like this about, you know, certain people? Why do I feel like, and I'm not talking about the gut feelings. I'm not talking about those kind of feelings where, you know, somebody, one person in particular or somebody you need to stay away from. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things where we lump, you know, a color of people or a gender of people or a, like you said, political or religious affiliated people. All of those different things, when we lump them, we are doing something very dangerous. Doug Crandall was at an event that I was at this weekend, and he has written a book called Permission to Speak Freely with, with Matt Kincaid. And one of his basic tenets was the assumption of positive intent. And that goes exactly to what you're saying. The, the person that you feel is in the wrong that's being self-important over here on the side, they most likely are coming at it with their most well-informed, positive intent to make things. You ever get into an argument with somebody that you care about, and all of a sudden you realize that you're arguing the exact same thing from two different perspectives, and you're both trying to achieve the same goal. It's, it's funny when that happens, if we can recognize it as funny and not just <laughs> frustrating. One of the things that I have said for a very long time is I think we have milkshake arguments. We focus on a milkshake instead of the real problem. We focus on whatever it is. And I just call it a milkshake because it's whatever the topic is that fires us up. 
Maybe it's dinner. Maybe it's cleaning the house. Maybe it's driving too fast. Maybe it's whatever it is. That's the milkshake. So we're concentrating on the milkshake when really the humans on the other side of the milkshake are the ones that need to be addressing what the real problem is. A lot of times we come back to the realization of back to the girl and boy speak. We're saying it in a different way. We think the other person is not hearing us. So we continue to push and try to get someone to hear us. And that's usually what an argument is. It's usually what loud is, is I don't think you're hearing me. So let me get louder so you can hear me. We just did an event that was called Impact Over Noise. And this was the premise of it. I wanted to bring people in to talk about that because we can make a lot of noise and no impact. We can be really noisy, really loud and really vocal, but are we making the impact we're trying to make by being loud? Occasionally there is the time that loud is necessary, Mm -hmm. but impact is what we're after. Like me personally, I want to make an impact. I want to really help people. So sometimes that means keeping my big mouth quieter and really seeing what will make the impact versus just being noisy. Yeah. So these are some tough issues. I think that we've, we've all dealt with. These are some, I don't know if they're problems per se is I just think that we need to be aware of, you know, being aware of your surroundings, listen, you know, listening to people with differing opinions, listening to people with similar opinions and seeing, are we really on the same side? Because all of a sudden you may realize that you're aligned with someone in one very specific area, but a lot of the other stuff that they have to say doesn't, doesn't align. You know, strange bedfellows is what I'm, I'm thinking of. It just sometimes, depending on what's going on, you may find an ally in an enemy, as it were, and be able to find common ground. And that's that's the key. That's what brings people to the table is finding that common ground and realizing that we all have levels of importance and how do they affect the greater whole. Um, I don't think anybody goes to work or goes to an event to do a bad job if they're committed to the mission. Then maybe they don't understand the mission. Maybe they have the wrong job. Sometimes our want to is broken. Ooh. That's very good uh, chemism. <laughs> a lot of times when somebody's want to is broken, though, it's come from a disappointment or it's come mm-hmm. from someone mistreating them or someone, mm-hmm. you know, causing them pain or harm. And then they get the attitude of why bother? And I feel like that's something else to say in this conversation is, you know, we got to check our own want to's. If I find myself not showing up with my A game for something, why is that? Like, what am I doing less than in in my life? What am I doing less than? Because that's just a place my want to is broken. Let's see why it's broken. There is the fairly common husband, wife, two sides of the the relationship situation where (laughs) I want to do this. And the response is fine. I feel like when your average response to what's being said is just, well, fine, then the relationship is in trouble. 
no matter what that relationship is. You've got to be involved. You've got to be engaged with that relationship. You've got to make them closer to the center of your world instead of just relegating to whatever it is that they had to say because you want to avoid some sort of a discussion or an argument. It's a tough thing. That's when you have internally given up. And because you, like you say, you, you don't feel like your opinion is being heard or you don't feel like something else is, is happening. And what happens is fine will, is, a, is a slope. It's the beginning of the slope. And you start down the fine slide. When you get to the bottom of that slide, something extreme is going to happen. You're going to hit the water. You're going to hit the dirt. You're going to hit the sand. You're either going to face plant or something. But that's when people lash out. That's when, when they've had enough. They've had enough of fine. Now they're, what they should have been saying all along explodes out of them. And I think a lot of times, maybe that's where people who, who are really self-absorbed in their thing, they've not spoken out. So I'm going to say something kind of spicy, but my sweet husband, um, I call him my sexy cowboy, Troy. He is amazing. He's an amazing human, but I'm going to emphasize human. He and I, like, we do have differences. And one of the things that he will say is, and not because he's to the fine stage, let me be like really clear about that, but he'll say, I don't care about something. Like, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. And every single time, bless his heart, he gets this same response from me is, if that's true, then like it's for dinner, then we're going to have liver and onions for dinner. That's like his, he would just never want to have that. And so my point is, and I tell him all the time is, if we're not honest, even in what do you want for dinner? If you really don't care at all, then I can make you whatever the worst thing is you want. But if you do care, then speak up. I'd like to have something that I like. Like, you know, even that little thing is important because when we do get into what I call a milkshake argument, it's, it's a moment of being honest. It's a moment of taking care of what that is. So like you said, it doesn't escalate. But I tell him all the time, I'm not getting a divorce. And, and we're not like anywhere close to that. But that's what I tell him all the time is we're not getting a divorce. That's why we're going to have this conversation now is let's talk about what the real problem is instead of going down this path of holding that in, holding it in. And then all of a sudden it starts to bubble up. Let's, let's just go ahead and talk about it because whatever it is, it's fixable. It's, it's, you know, compromise. We can compromise on it, but we cannot fix what we don't acknowledge or don't, you know, don't unpack as Carrie said again, if we don't unpack that stuff, how can we get to that place? And then all of a sudden you look up and years have gone by, you have not dealt with things. And, and now you become the, like you were saying, like the narcissist part of it, you become this person who, well, they never listen. If you ever hear yourself saying never and always, you better check and see what you're talking about. Because a lot of times it's in the negative thing of, well, you never do this, 
or you always do this. And that's where your want to breaks. Like your want to and why bother has issues because you've allowed that to come in. So I feel like giving yourself permission to deal with it and, and timing is part of it. You can't just insist someone else talk about something when they can't yet. You do have to give space. But I think that when you are dealing with it all along, there doesn't have to be those giant milkshake moments. It can be, you know, hey, let's, let's figure this out. My goal is to love you. I want to love you. I want to support you. I want to hear you. If you start with that, it changes the entire milkshake argument. What do you want for dinner does not imply I am throwing this horrible decision-making process on you and I hate you. (laughs) It is the assumption of positive intent. It is, I want to give you the best. Where would you like to go eat? (laughs) I don't know. Where do you want to go eat? (laughs) That's just a lack of preparation. And it's, but it becomes a long-term argument in relationships because we forget the positive intent. I want to take you to a thing that you want to do the most. (laughs) I'm laughing because this never happens to me. So, (laughs) Well, and can I just bring up one other thing too? You and Troy were like, you know, when we met up in person in Dallas, Mm -hmm. I giggled because you and Troy were doing this laughing. Both of you were kind of telling jokes about, you know, what do you want? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because I was not a great hostess. I didn't even think about it. I was so excited. We were going to get to squeeze you (laughs) that I didn't think about the, you know, making a plan outside of that. That was my plan. I got to, (laughs) I got to spend time with you in real life. And I think when, you all were doing that. It was such a picture of this podcast, like this episode. It was such a picture of that because you all were being funny about it. And we get serious about it. Like we do the whole milkshake thing of, no, really, you have to pick. And we can get ugly. And that happens, I don't know, in very many households, it doesn't happen. We like to not talk about it, but it happens. Well, here is... All of, all of my brilliant re- re- revelations have come, for the most part, after my children have, have moved on. <laughs> so now I can just share with other people about the right way to parent, since, not, since I'm not parenting that much anymore. Uh, <laughs> but no, to your exact point, I, I recommend to young parents all the time, never ask your kids what they want for dinner or lunch or breakfast or whatever. Say, would you like X or Y? And because infinite possibilities beget infinite decisions. And so when you say, what do you want? That is infinite possibilities. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What should, you know, if come to the, we're going to call it an argument. And for the, for a definition, a brilliant man that I used to work with in, in my uh, muggle job, he was the boss and he had a sign at the base of the stairs before you came up to his office suite. And it said, don't come up these stairs without three solutions to the question that you're going to ask, which is brilliant because now we can talk about the three ideas and flesh those out. 
that you came up with, or I can throw in a fourth or a fifth or a sixth, but don't come to me with no ideas, no pre-thought. I think that speaks volumes to creating the environment for people to think. You know, if you come with only complaints or you come with questions and you don't have any thought, like you said, about the solution, well, I just think it's a different, I think it's critical thinking. We, yes. we create an environment for critical, critical thinking versus, okay, you come and ask the question and we're just going to give you one answer that's going to be universal because it's not, it's not possible. <laughs> and uh, trust me, I am the worst to say, hey, this is the solution. This is the answer that I have. This is the best way to go. And I go up to my supervisor or superiors and say, this is the best only option. And if I am so stuck in the mud that I can't hear the improvements, sometimes I get dismissed because it was a bad idea. But if I'm not willing to listen to the improvements or understand the time factors that I'm unaware of for money or things like that, you know, we get on, again, I'm going to go back to social media. We get on Facebook and we post a meme or whatever it is that expresses our opinion that says, this is the way things should be, but, and now we're stuck with it. And so it just, we bow our backs up and we make ourselves the center of attention and the center of the world and wonder why nobody wants to play with us. So what is your idea, David, for the permission to stop doing that? Like this, this entire podcast is about, you know, giving ourselves permission, doing all the things so that we can live a better life. We can literally win instead of just talking about it. What do you suggest people can do to give their, themselves permission? Because at the end of the day, we really don't need other people's, you know, permission to do the things we need to give ourselves permission. So I'm, I'm huge on that. And I know that that adds spicy with you and me, but I, I don't think we need everybody's permission. I think it starts with us. I'm going to read just a brief thing that a, a good friend I had posted something years ago. I don't even know what year this was. 2016, a, I posted some vitriol on Facebook related to a political election that was happening around 2016 and don't even remember what that was. But his response to me in messages, not on the post, but he messaged me behind the scenes. He, took, he basically took me aside, put his arm around my shoulder, and started off his very long response uh, by saying, I'm beginning to get a little worried about you. There is so much hate and misinformation in your posts. I thought I was supposed to be the angry atheist, but you are so full of bitterness towards so many groups. I see anger, frustration-based posts towards so many people that you have been lied to as being your enemy. And 
it goes on and on and on and on. And it was a really, it was a really tough thing to read, but I had to stop and I had to consider his words because in part, the, the things that I was forwarding and posting and uh, were funny to me, but they also shared my thin layered opinion. So what do I want people to take away from this? We, we need to consider, I, let's just start here. I need to consider my responses to people. I need to consider, and another lesson I learned in December of last year, is to give grace when someone comes to the table without the knowledge that I already have and realize that I need to provide myself some importance, but I need to make sure that the others around me don't think that I think that I'm the most important person in the room. Boom. I think starting with kindness is one of the biggest things. I, and this is kind of, it sounds like cliche, but I think when we stop being focused on getting our way and elbowing our way to the top and start fighting, you know, stop fighting with everyone around us. I think that's where it starts. I don't want to be the one that's perfect. I want to be the messy one because you know what? That just shows I'm human. It's okay to be the go-to person with and be confident in that without being arrogant, without being, I'm going to put my opinion on everybody in the room. And if you don't like it, get out. That's dangerous to me. It's dangerous when, you know, if, if we all had one opinion, it's dangerous. I think having one relationship, I'll say, one idea of being kind, I think that's universal. But when you talk about being, you've got to be just like me to be right, that's just dangerous. So I think permission to allow other people to be who they are and allow them to be really great at something and the go-to for something. And we can send people to them for something. It's just that collaborative part. It's, it's the collaborative attitude and the kindness versus again, that elbowing. I always have that picture in my head of people fighting, you know, pushing in and elbowing everybody to get ahead of somebody when if we would just stop that mess, where are we trying to get to? Like, where is it that we're getting to that we're elbowing and harming other people? Where are we going to go? Because it's not pretty. It's not pretty when you get to a place that you've elbowed your way to, and then you realize no one's there because you are the one that has, you know, felt like you were the center of the world. And you look around and you don't have relationships. You don't have people who care if something happens to you. All of their want to got broken by your elbows. So I think it's dangerous when we do that, that kind of stuff. So I would say definitely being kind and definitely, you know, paying attention, just pay attention. I'll wrap some of this up with a story. It involved a, a school board. They were, 
having some internal struggles between the group, they hired the company that I worked for to come in and kind of flesh it out and see where the, see where the issues were and how they could have worked better. They interviewed everyone. And when they came to this one gentleman who had been on the board for 25, 30 years, he started off his comments by saying, you know, it, I may be the problem. And he, he said, well, 20 years ago, they wanted to build a school over here. And I told him it was in the wrong place and they did it anyway. And sure enough, I was proved 100% right when all the growth happened over on the other side of town where I recommended that they build this school and put this investment. And it was a small town. It wasn't like a growing town that we're going to have, you know, a new high school every five or 10 years. This was going to be the high school for a long time. And so they asked him, of all the people that are on the school board, there's seven members, how many people are still on that board from 20 years ago? He goes, maybe maybe two of us. And he said, but I've never let any of them forget it. And so he lived in that moment that defined his experience on the board. They made him wrong once. So he made them wrong every decision from then on. And so it's a tough thing. We get wound up into our own little fiefdom, our own little world. And we feel like we've got to make our presence known when as I get older, I realize life is short and the things that we ought to be about doing, we've got a finite amount of time to do them. And it sure would be nice to be able to achieve some things or, or see some changes in our lifetime, but it's all about timing and it's not our timing. We can, we can push, we can help, we can, instruct but it's not you know it's not up to us we live in a community we give each other permission to engage with us and be involved with us and we need to give ourselves permission to allow that to happen and to not be the center of everyone else's world i just love that i don't need to be the center of everyone else's world thanks for spending time with david and kim now it's your turn to explore permission in your world. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or questions about the show, please email info at yourpermissiontowin.com. And although they don't need permission to produce new episodes, they sure would appreciate it. Your permission, in the form of a five-star rating and review, will help keep the show going. Until next time, here's your permission to win. Permission to win.